with Cole Cusimano. I'm Steven. It is the Cusimano Brothers coming to you during a Michigan International Speedway race weekend and recording a little bit later in the week this week. Had some uh, schedule conflicts between the both of us, but we are back. Uh, we'll jump into what we saw last week at the Indy Road Course, but uh, considering you know it, it's already Saturday, I want to touch on what are a lot of the hard-hitting news items this week. So splash and go get right into it. Uh, you and I, Cole, just finished watching the Xfinity race on Saturday afternoon, won by A.J. Allmendinger, who really, he said it best himself. You know, it's been an amazing six days for A.J. Allmendinger, uh, and we'll get into the win at the Indian Road Course in a couple minutes here, but uh, wins it over there, wins it on a couple of late overtime restarts at Michigan, and he is riding really high right now. Yeah, it's really cool to see. Honestly, AJ is one of those guys where you, you like to see him succeed. And he's he's very electric post-race, especially when he wins. Just love seeing the raw emotion on his face. I think he's established himself as, as the championship contender for Austin Sindrick uh, this season. Um, you know, we're still trying to figure out who else will challenge for that championship for. But at this point in time, I think AJ is definitely that one challenger for Sindrick. And, you know, it, it comes off on the heels of the news that Colleg Racing is going to go full-time in Cup next year, and there will be a part-time ride. I was more partial to seeing AJ Allmendinger getting that full-time ride. It was announced that Justin Haley will be getting it. But honestly, I think he has the experience in Cup. He He's proven clearly that he could win at the Cup level last week at Indy. And um, I guess we'll see where it goes from here. But who knows, if he can win the championship or, or remain a contender, we'll see where things go for AJ in the future. I think it will be very interesting, and he has had as good of a character arc in his Cup Series career, and just his his NASCAR career, everything about his auto racing career. He has evolved so much as a driver, going from being the road course ringer and where he got his first Cup Series win at, and to now a guy who can win on ovals consistently every week in the Xfinity Series. And it was really cool to see him bring such a fresh team, Colleg Racing, to supremacy, not just in the Xfinity Series last year, but in the Cup Series after, what was it, only 17 races uh, for their first win. So that was extremely cool to see, and I agree with you. I think that looking at that full-time ride next year in the Cup Series, certainly A.J. Allmendinger would be more competitive, and that's to be expected with, I would say, probably almost any well-experienced veteran driver over a little bit more of a raw guy who is going to be basically a rookie in Justin Haley. And so th that's something to consider. I, th I just think that there's kind of a youth movement going on in NASCAR, and that was maybe a little bit more of the flashy hire as far as the full-time ride goes. But if you think about it, I mean, A.J. Allmendinger, even in racing for a, a team that is not a household name and a guy who has kind of had an on-and-off, up-and-down racing career, he is you know, kind of a fan favorite. He is such a great personality. He's great for the sport. And so we'll see if that decision is revisited but it was cool to see him again go through the pitfalls and the triumphs of his career and here he is entering a chapter that probably nobody saw coming so it'll be interesting to see how the rest of this plays out for AJ Allmendinger and speaking of untraditional arcs to get to uh, the NASCAR level the Cup Series the Xfinity Series Josh Berry that was maybe the main news item throughout this week for NASCAR entering Michigan guy who really just bursted onto the scene and essentially came out of nowhere. Dale Jr. spotted his talent from the late models, and here he is in his mid-30s, and he is going to be racing full-time for Junior Motorsports, one of the premier teams in the Xfinity Series with Hendrick Motors, and he's put the whole entire industry on display this year in a part-time basis, contending for wins, getting wins at all different kinds of tracks, extremely deserving of a full-time ride next year. And again, speaking on untraditional kind of arcs and paths to the NASCAR. 
I think I'm really excited to see how this plays out for Josh Berry. Me too. And I mean, it, it was just a, a huge week in general for him. We got a new sponsorship deal with Harrison USA for next year. Tire Pro is also signed on pretty much for every single race next year for the uh, number eight car. It's just a lot of really good things working for him. He, he obviously filled in for Michael Annette in the one car this weekend in Michigan. And he also will be filling in for Corey LaJoy in the Cup Series in the seven car. Uh, who was sidelined with COVID-19 symptoms. So just a massive week for Barry. He's proven on a weekly basis whenever he's competing that he is a contender. He's a, definitely a fan favorite. The heart is unmatched. I think this is what NASCAR is supposed to be. It's built on the backbone of drivers like him who come up through late models and modifieds and all these grassroots racing series and, and, and racing methods. And I think that people want to see more of that, and they're going to get that with Josh Berry in 2022. Absolutely. And like you said, you touched on it very well there. It's not like he's just a very talented driver and person, but he just has a great personality, a guy that's going to be a fan favorite and just such a cool story to follow his uh, career through racing and into NASCAR. And I'm excited to see how it goes. That was not the only big piece of news as it pertains to NASCAR's developmental series late in the week and entering this weekend, though, looking at the truck series, their race at Gateway on Friday night. Couple big ticket uh, items there. First of all, insane race. Long red flag, had the lights go out, uh, and a lot of playoff drivers, which this was the first playoff race for the Truck Series, had trouble. So that created a very interesting playoff picture coming out of that race. And then coming out of it as well, uh, another big storyline Haley Deegan became the first woman to finish in the top 10 in the NASCAR Truck Series outside of Daytona, which was another really cool item there. So I guess, Cole, first of all, before I get to the other. Uh, item from the truck series news wise what were your thoughts on how that race played out with i believe sheldon creed taking the checkered flag that was just completely unexpected i was blown away by pretty much every single playoff driver being wrecked out at some point in the race uh you had zane smith lose a transmission i believe um and then of course you had todd gillen austin hill even john hunter nemechek uh go down with some damage so all these championship favorites going down and uh, in the end, it's going to be Zane Smith and Chandler Smith who are on the outside looking in at this point in time. But uh, Sheldon Creed, he was not a blip on my radar going into this postseason. Um, he's had kind of an off year. He has the win. But wow, I, this guy really has a knack for turning it on when it matters. And that is the postseason. And that's why he's the, the reigning champion of the truck series. So uh, that was really interesting to see. I'm excited to see how the rest of the GMS racing develops through the playoffs because, as noted, Sheldon Creed and Zane Smith have not really been the most competitive all season. They've been good, but not great, and uh, I think Sheldon Creed's flexing his muscles now as he did last season when he won the championship, but um, as, as far as other drivers go, I had high expectations for Todd Gillen going in, uh, being that he led the most laps at Gateway last year and, and swept both stages. And he was the hottest driver coming into this race, uh, 4.3 average over a seven-race span, seven-race top-10 streak, and just completely dominant along with uh, Austin Hill. Both those guys, as mentioned, uh, ended up wrecking out, but um, I'm very excited for this postseason for the Truck Series. It's a, a very competitive field, and it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Seriously, we talked about that last week, how excited we were and how much parity there's going to be with all the different names that can contend. And this makes it even better because we didn't even mention Sheldon Creed who is the defending champion, and that's just another name adding to the mix of guys that we already talked about, obviously headlined by John Hunter Nemechek last week, so 
I would say more so than any of the three national touring series, this truck series run for the championship is going to be phenomenal. And then the big uh, news item that I keep teasing here was about Jesse Awuji, one of the, I guess, fan favorites in NASCAR just because of his presence off the track and on social media while being a little bit less competitive. Jesse Awuji is partnering with NFL Hall of Famer and one of the best running backs of all time, Emmett Smith to create Jesse Awuji Racing next year, which will compete full-time at the Xfinity Series level, which is remarkable, absolutely remarkable. We've seen so many times that all kinds of different uh, pop culture icons and sports icons, including, remember, Randy Moss had a Truck Series team, and, you know, looking at, even as recently as people like Pitbull and Michael Jordan coming into the sport, racing full-time, and you're seeing the success of it, specifically as recently as this week with Colleg Racing and how well Trackhouse Racing has performed this year. It's really exciting to see that you have all of these different uh, personalities coming into the sport that are going to bring more attention, more publicity, and we're seeing the success that these jumpstart teams are having. And Emmett Smith coming to NASCAR is going to be extremely exciting, especially even for the diversity movement of the sport and for such a great guy like Jesse Awuji. This is something that is going to be major for the sport, and I hope it pans out well for them. It really is incredible, and, you know, this comes off the heels of Alvin Kamara and Antonio Williams having stake in NASCAR and, and being a part of certain teams, but this is, uh, it, it's it's great news. I'm a big fan of Jesse Abuji, as is a lot of people. Um, he was voted uh, by fans into these uh, iRacing events uh, pretty much every time they had a fan vote, so uh, definitely a fan favorite. You just love his story uh, about serving in the armed forces. Um, I, I, and it's great that he's getting this opportunity, you know, because I feel like he hasn't really been given those. Um, whenever he's been in trucks or Xfinity, he's kind of been underfunded equipment. So to have a stake in NASCAR with one of the best running backs in NFL history is pretty remarkable. And I think it's going to work out very well for them. You mentioned the uh, diversity movement, uh, two African-American owners in the uh, NASCAR Xfinity series. That's going to be great for the sport and the growth. And I think it's going to attract a lot more eyes, uh, as we've seen with uh, 2311 Racing and Trackhouse Racing. So it, it's all good things for them, and I'm very excited for this, to see what this team can do. Seriously. I mean, if just look at, again, all of the guys that are coming into the sport, Michael Jordan, Emmett Smith. Like you, Down the line, it's not unheard of that we could see some cool kind of rivalries between these owners. I think it could be a really cool thing for the sport, and I really do hope that we do see continued success from these jumpstart teams Last thing I want to bring up in this Splash and Go segment, I didn't want to talk too much about the Indy Road course because of two reasons. First of all, outside of late in that race, it really wasn't all that competitive. I would say it was very tame, a lot like we saw at Watkins Glen. Uh, obviously, we mentioned the big thing, which was A.J. Allmendinger winning. Uh, there was a lot of uh, late cautions and, of course, the track coming up. And there were some things to address there. But again, it's later in the week. I want to focus more on what's happening at Michigan. I, I would say the other thing that that is really important to mention Denny Hamlin and Chase Briscoe. At this point, you got to feel so, so bad for Denny Hamlin. He has come so close on so many occasions in so many different ways to winning so many different races this year. He is second in the point standings right now, which is a nice consolation, 22 points behind Kyle Larson. But what does this guy have to do to get a win? He got wrecked and, and dumped from behind by a driver that was black flagged and was not in contention for the win. And obviously, we know the story behind that, but in case you've been living under a rock, of course, Chase Briscoe was kind of forced off of the course by Denny Hamlin going into what I believe was turn one, if I remember correctly, and he ended up having to cut across the track, and he was black flagged, but that message did not make its way to Chase Briscoe because he allegedly could not hear the information coming over the radio until right around the time that he had wrecked Denny Hamlin near turn 10, and so... 
I shouldn't say wrecked, but just dumped, spun out, whatever you want to call it. But uh, it was tough. It was really tough to watch if you're a Denny Hamlin fan uh, and knowing that Chase Briscoe was not going to win the race and just seeing uh, how cool that that last lap was uh, in general. But uh, overall thoughts on the way that that all played out. Man, what a wild final lap. I was feeling so bad for both Chase Briscoe and Denny Hamlin, honestly. Um, Upon my initial reaction uh, viewing that, I, it didn't appear that Chase Briscoe got pushed into the grass by Denny Hamlin, but then I watched it again, and he definitely got forced out in there. So I was kind of puzzled as to why NASCAR did black flag Chase Briscoe, only because I, I think he was definitely forced into the grass. But, you know, obviously Radioactive came out, and people were talking on Twitter and Reddit and all these things about how maybe Chase Briscoe was aware that he was black flagged, but he was just angry at Denny and kind of spun him out as retaliation, but... I think the big thing here is that uh, Radioactive is doctored. It, it's definitely made to add more suspense and, and all that uh, to to the uh, segment. So I, I, I truly believe that Chase Briscoe wasn't aware that he was being black flagged, only because he was clearly pushed into the infield grass. So uh, I guess that's my take on the whole situation itself. But man, Denny Hamlin, it's like he's finding new ways to lose, but like not, not obviously uh, all of his doing. And it, it is a shame that he couldn't get that first win of the season after winning seven last year. But exactly, consolation prize is that he's sitting second in the standings to Kyle Larson, and he is locked into the playoffs. Absolutely. Looking at it from both storylines, the slumping Denny Hamlin, and then also Chase Briscoe running up front for most of the day, and then, you know, how badly he wanted to win at his home track in the Cup Series was gut-wrenching for both those drivers. And it's funny because we kind of, uh, a week before that, we were looking back on one of our favorite Watkins Glen memories, which was where uh, Marcus Ambrose and Kyle Busch and Brad Keselowski were all duking it out for the win on that final lap and had two of them uh, crashing out of the race or at least spinning out of the race. And uh, it's funny because a week later, we saw something very similar with uh, the third-place car at the time, A.J. Allmendinger taking the win. Uh, so interesting there. I, I think it's uh, it, overall, I mean, it was a, uh, I mentioned at the top of this, it was kind of a, uh, a, a, at times a little bit uneventful race at the I, Indy road course. I thought it was a boring race, to be honest with you. I, I, I was not enjoying it up until those final uh, few laps or so. And even then, those were kind of obviously messy because the mm-hmm. curbing being pulled up and all that. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think it was a great race at all, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it from, like, I guess the first 90% of it, really not a great race, not very eventful. Um, but then, I guess, obviously, as is with any race where there's a late caution, the last 5-10% of it was was pretty good. So, obviously, just thinking about what needs to be improved going forward, if they were to do this again, clearly, they would have to make sure that the, uh, the track is in better condition and all the corners and everything like that. Uh, but first and foremost, yes or no, is this a tradition that's worth keeping? I think so, because honestly, even with how bland this race was up until those last few laps, I thought it was a lot better than pretty much every single oval race at Indy, aside from maybe the 2017 race. So I think it's definitely worth keeping around. Um, The action in the Xfinity Series was great, that track, last year and this year. I mean, the racing itself was better than the oval, so I do think it's worth keeping. And the thing is, this track's now owned by Roger Penske, and he's going to do everything he can to make sure it's, it remains a world-class facility. And I'm sure he's hard at work right now trying to figure out what to do uh, for 2022. But, you know, I, I think that it's it's not going to be a, a difficult fix. They could either just paint markers on the track, put in some uh, concrete curbing. 
it's 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 going to be fine. Roger knows what he's doing, and he knows how to make this place uh, the best version that it could be. I agree. I would say that at the very least, this race was probably a little bit more competitive than recent Brickyard 400s that we've seen on the oval configuration. So that's, I mean, that's a debatable statement, but it's at least a step in the right direction, in my opinion. And I want to harp on one more thing that I forgot to comment on from the last thing you said about Denny Hamlin. You said it's almost like he's finding new ways to lose, which is interesting because it's just, it's a mindset thing right now because, I mean, when you're slumping, things just don't go your way. It's the same in any sport. In baseball, you know, that error is always going to happen if you're slumping and that's just the way that things go. It's the way the ball rolls. Sometimes it's going your way, sometimes it's not. And it's the same in NASCAR. So at some point, I think the pendulum is going to swing in the right direction for Denny Hamlin. And when he finally does win a race this year, because I think it is going to happen, it's going to open the floodgates. I really, truly believe that. And it's a very similar feeling to the way I felt about Chase Elliott last year, uh, and obviously he was a little bit more successful in winning races throughout the season, but similar feeling, not the exact same. Anyhow, looking back at the top 10 from this race, uh, first, AJ Allmendinger, obviously we talked about that already, and then extremely quietly, Ryan Blaney snagged a second place finish and almost stole another win at one of these new road course tracks, uh, ovals turn road course tracks, so that was fun. Kyle Larson had an excellent race again, finished third, followed by Chase Elliott, Matt Benedetto, a big-time top five for him, and then six through ten, Kurt Busch, Eric Jones, Justin Haley with a really, really nice run, as well as Austin Sindrick, who turned a rough day into a good one, as did the 10th place driver, Ryan Newman. And this is a good segue into our Stacking Penny segment, because there are a few drivers on that list that have put a couple good races together consistently, and that includes Matt Benedetto. He hasn't finished lower than 11th over the last five races, and again, finished fifth at Indy, but the big thing for him right now is he's not going to make it on points as it pertains to the playoffs. He's been really consistent. He's been getting there. He's been getting a little better, but he's got to win a race, and he's only got two more opportunities to do so. Right, and you know what? Looking at the remaining schedule at Michigan and Daytona, obviously Michigan's going to be a tall task, but he is rolling off fourth, so you never know. They can roll the dice, and they are going for for it all, so they could make some bold pit strategy towards the end and, and make a run at it, but I'm looking at Daytona next week as Matt, Matty D's best available option to win uh, his first Cup Series race and make the playoffs. He had a great run at Talladega. I thought he had the best car, aside from uh, Brad Keselowski, obviously. A little bit too little too late. Uh, we, we mentioned it many times over, over the last five weeks or so. But uh, yeah, Daytona should be a good one for Matty D. Yep, and then also we talked about Ryan Blaney, a second-place finish. He's really ramped it up and kind of carried the flag for Team Penske as of recently since we resumed racing after that two-week layoff. Three top fives in the last four races, including that second-place finish. It'll be interesting to see what happens now after we are not at a road course for a second straight week. If nothing else, he's been extremely opportunistic, taking advantage of some teams that have had poor fortune at the late or later portion of some of these races, but... We get to Michigan, and we'll see what Ryan Blaney can do. As And then this is going to be really important, too. I want to touch on one last thing. As we get into the playoffs, Penske as a whole, as a collective, is going to need to really string some momentum together. And Ryan Blaney could really take a, a strong step here and assert himself for Team Penske as one that a couple teams that are not going to be passed over in the playoffs. I completely agree. They've been on the backslide as of recently. And, uh, yeah, he's been been carrying the flag, as you mentioned, for Team Penske, Ryan Blaney, that is. And the biggest thing here is that I I need to see more from Ryan Blaney. He's only had these single-win seasons. We need to see more. And looking at Michigan this week, he he has a good starting position. He's starting inside the top 10. And 
the thing is, it's a similar track, I feel, to Atlanta, which he won at earlier this year. So maybe he can contend for the win this week. But um, as far as being a legitimate contender in the playoffs, I need to see more uh, running up front each week. I kind of, I feel weird saying it, but I don't really consider these last two weeks at Watkins Glen and Indy uh, to be very very indicative of, of how they will perform down the stretch or in terms of momentum, only because, first off, Indy was such a wild card and so many uh, contenders wrecked out. But just the fact that we only have one road course uh, in the Roval in the playoffs is another thing. But overall, he's been doing great. Three top fives in the last five weeks. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes for young Ryan Blaney. And who knows? It very well might be a recipe for success. I mean, he's really, in this playoff format, you've got to be opportunistic, win a race every once in a while. And we've seen almost all of his career wins have kind of been like that, including the Roval. If he could win at the Roval, boom, you're into the next round. And then at that point, you're winning these bonus points and being consistent. So if he can continue to string together some top fives, and again, he starts third on Sunday, that could be pretty massive for Ryan Blaney and the 12 team. Uh, and now completely turning the page from Indy to Michigan. This should be a pretty pretty telling race, I will say that, about Michigan. This has always been a track that has been a little bit beloved by both you and I. I think out of the uh, the super speedway tracks, obviously, uh, you know, comparing it to, it's not really comparable to Daytona or Talladega. It's more, like you said, Atlanta, Las Vegas, something along those lines. But it is a two-mile track, extremely high speeds. Uh, and I like uh, seeing the different lanes that, that drivers can take and, and work with uh, throughout the weekend and, and the way that those can kind of uh, form different grooves and the way the race evolves typically at this track. It, it's usually pretty cool. But um, track that I like, but looking at our next segment, Nickel or Dime, they're really aren't a ton of different paint schemes this week as far as what's different from the, the primary ones. Uh, but I guess you you want to go first? Go ahead. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the auto owner's insurance car for uh, Martin Truex Jr., which, by the way, signed an extension with the 19 team uh, for a couple years. Uh, it's not the traditional black and blue. It, it has a, a white base in the front. Then you have a couple of different shades of blue lines going diagonally across the uh, the side of the car. And then the rear of the car is that traditional uh, like navy blue, dark blue base. But it looks really nice. I think it should be a, a matte finish, which would look really, really good. But uh, that's definitely going to get a dime for me. And then yeah, there, there's not too many here this week. I'll give one more dime out to the double zero of Quinn Houth. It is a YMCA car. It's just kind of uh, simple, very generic. It's a white base, but there's a couple of the, the YMCA logos with a blue and then a purple spread across the car yeah honestly yeah there's not a ton to touch on with these paint schemes i will say uh there's unique ones i do like the auto owners insurance one the martin truex jr vehicle I, that's probably my my dime out of these ones we're looking at but i like the concept on that ymca car because it, it's just like a blown up version of the logo that works on that white looks pretty good and then on matt benedetto's car i can't really see what the sponsor is but it's a big red wrench along the side of it uh of a, a black car and i think that's a kind of a cool concept too but Overall, really not not a ton to talk about here. So let's move on to what we're actually going to see on the track. Beginning with the starting lineup, and this is set by the formula this week. No qualifying as we had last week. So here is the top 10. Kyle Larson starts on the pole. Chase Elliott second. Ryan Blaney third. Matt Benedetto fourth. Martin Truex Jr. fifth. And then six through 10, Kurt Busch, Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, and Alex Bowman. And so now we'll take it to the bank. Talk about some drivers that have a pretty good chance, pretty good opportunity to put forth good efforts and good performances at this weekend's race at Michigan and try and put some money in your pocket here on the money stop. So without further ado, Cole, what are some names we can look for? Well, you mentioned this being a very telling week for the sport. And I think the biggest 
tell I'm looking for here is Kevin Harvick. He's won four of the last five races in Michigan, five total, which is the most among active drivers. And the only outlier of those five races, he finished seventh. So 2.2 average in that span of five races, 327 laps led, which is the most, and five stage wins over those last five races. So again, the biggest thing for me is going to see how Kevin Harvick performs. He's rolling off eighth, and he's been the standard of excellence here at Michigan uh, pretty much since he's been, been racing here, but at least over the last three years. And my thing is, I haven't seen anything from Kevin Hart this year that, that makes me think that he's going to be a contender in the playoffs. He's not locked in. He's the 15th seed as it stands right now. And he just hasn't had that dominance. He's been consistent. He's had top 10 speed. I, I You know, I'll, I'll say he's elevated from top 15 speed up into top 10 speed um, as of late. But I haven't seen that dominance like we saw last year with the nine wins. Um, obviously still in search of his first win in 2021. So I'm curious what your take is on Kevin Harvick going into this race, because I think he's going to have another top 10 day for sure. I just don't think he's going to be a contender for the win. Um, we, we've seen his other Stuart Haas racing teammates, like Eric Amarola, have a really dominant car at Loudoun, but I haven't seen anything from Kevin Harvick this year where I'm like, wow, he is the dominant car today. He's the car to beat. Uh, could we see that this weekend? Yeah, I don't think we're going to see that this weekend. I just think that those days are are in the past, at least in terms of this year. We could very well see Stuart Haas Racing come out next year, and they're right back on top of the game as far as uh, being the class of the field when the cars come off the truck. But right now, I just don't think that that's a, a possibility or a probability for, for Kevin Harvick. And I do think, like you mentioned, it's important to note we've seen improvement from this team and from Stuart Haas Racing collectively. Uh, but I think back specifically to Atlanta earlier this year, uh, I believe it was the first Atlanta race, might have even been the second one, about how we were talking about this is one of his best tracks. If he doesn't perform this week, this is really telling about what that team is going to do this year, and he didn't live up to the hype, even despite all of the previous longtime uh, historical success at that track. And so I just, based on that performance and what we had to believe he was going to put on a good showing there, I don't see it happening this week. I mean, I think he's going to do well, don't get me wrong, but I don't think it's going to be the Kevin Harvick of old that's been dominant at Michigan. I think if he wins, it'll be like he has a top five car and takes advantage of, of a late restart or something or another uh, late in the race. Uh, obviously a good pick, good fantasy pick. Like you said, starting eighth and right now is has the fifth best odds to win the race at eight to one uh, and $10,000 worth on DraftKings. And so a guy that you should think about putting in your lineup for sure uh, with the past success. I mean, the, the numbers absolutely don't lie. And especially because of how consistent that's been over a five-race uh, uh, sample size at Michigan the last five years. But when it comes to looking at which team collectively might come off the truck the quickest, it, there's a lot of reason for, to believe, at least when you look at the numbers, Cole, that that could be Joe Gibbs racing this week, even despite all the success that Team Hendrick has had on these mile-and-a-half, two-mile tracks this year. Right, and I do think that Joe Gibbs racing is going to have a very strong day at Michigan they have a history of performing at tracks like Michigan, uh, Atlanta, Vegas, those high-speed, high-bang tracks. Um, and looking at the numbers, yeah, as, as you mentioned, so Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. are the only two drivers with four top fives in the last five races along with Kevin Harvick. Only Busch and Harvick have five top tens in this span. Denny Hamlin has four top tens with the only outlier being an 11th place finish. So definitely going to be strong for the Gibbs stable this weekend. Uh, you have Martin Truex Jr. starting 5th, Kyle Busch starting 7th, and Denny Hamlin starting ninth. So all top 10 starting positions. Um, Going to be a little bit difficult price-wise to maybe roll with uh, two drivers. And especially it'd be a bit of a risk being that all three are inside the top 10. Kyle Busch, 
4.6 average, Martin Truex Jr., 5.4, and Denny Hamlin with a 5.8 in, in that five-race span. So all within the top six, very great numbers. Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. are favored at 7-1 to odds, along with Denny Hamlin at 9-1. to So looking at these numbers, um, I think you can definitely be confident picking any of these drivers. Kyle Busch is going to be priced at 10800 Denny Hamlin 10400 and Truex at 9400 yeah, and then you start to look at the, all those drivers uh, in the Joe Gibbs stable. They're in very similar shoes in terms of, like you said, their starting position, how they've performed recently, and I would think you know what their chances are this week. Very similar shoes, so you're almost looking at this in tiers now. You've got, obviously, the Hendrick guys are going to be favored. You've got Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott starting first and second, and they are the favorites to win this race. I, I think that the next tier down, you're definitely looking at these Joe Gibbs drivers, which... Could do well, but my my fear is that they're kind of just going to get stuck in that middle ground, and that would kind of be like the story of their season. They'll start back end of the top 10, and they'll just float from like third to eighth place all day, and just not quite strong enough to overtake those two powerful Hendrick Chevrolets. So I guess we'll see what happens there. I probably wouldn't pick them for the win, but if you're looking for a solid driver in your fantasy lineup that's going to do very intermediate job and potentially have a, an outside shot at winning the race, there's a good chance of seeing that happen. But when you get to that third tier, so you've got Hendrick, then you've got the Joe Gibbs, Toyotas, that third tier I would probably say is the Penske Mustangs because you look at Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, Ryan Blaney, they all come into this race with the same odds to win at 14 to 1, which I think is fair to say. And I'll start by talking about Brad Keselowski because obviously it's been well documented all throughout his career in NASCAR that he wants to win so badly at his home track of Michigan in the Cup Series, and he's come close on a lot of occasions, but he has been probably one of the colder drivers in this sport throughout the past month, two months even, I guess you could say. He starts at 20th, and so while he's had some success here, and obviously not the win, but some success here in the past, I have a really hard time seeing him come from 20th to win this race. The same can be said for Joey Logano, um, but Ryan Blaney starting third. If I'm going to be confident in any Penske car to win, if you're looking at placing a bet specifically on a driver to win out of that stable, it's got to be Ryan Blaney because like you said, he's going to start top three. We'll see what we can, he can do with that. Um, I think that Ryan Blaney more so than other drivers is more poised to, like I said, be opportunistic and uh, do better late in the race as opposed to early, but I, I would like to see him put a full race together, and that would be uh, good to see. But uh, you know, it would be cool to see Brad Keselowski win his home track. I would say for a storyline purposes, that would be cool. Um, and, and you know, just one of these guys, one of these guys has got to get things going as we get towards the playoffs. Right, and honestly, I I do feel the same way about Brad Keselowski. I just don't think that coming back from twentieth in the pack, he's gonna have a really good shot at winning. Um, it's just been kind of a track that's been an enigma to him. Um, but it would be a good storyline, as you mentioned. Uh, my eyes are really going to be on Joey Logano here. Um, starting 19th, I think he's a great value pick at $9,600. Uh, you mentioned the 14 to 1 odds, but um, he's been the he was the one win outside of Kevin Harvick in these last five races at Michigan. He won there in the uh, the first race in 2019, but he also has four top 10s in this span. Second most laps led at 234 and an 8.2 average. Three wins total in his career at this track are tied for second most among active drivers. So I really do believe Joey Logano could have a good shot at winning this race. Or maybe not winning this race, but uh, I think he's going to have a good shot at being a contender down the stretch. I think he'll be a top 10 car for sure. And starting 19th, again, as mentioned, I think it's going to be a great value pick uh, for you guys. 
And then, of course, there are the aforementioned Hendrick Chevrolets that are going to be the favorites to win this race. Uh, Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson, the favorites, 7-1 to one and 3-1 to one odds, respectively. And as can be expected along with that, they are two of the most highly priced drivers on uh, DFS this week. Uh, both with, with decent success at, at Michigan, at least in the case of Kyle Larson, great success. Three wins, which is tied for the second most out of active drivers and uh, finished third his last time there as well. Picked up his first career win there at that. And then Chase Elliott finished as high as seventh over the last five races at Michigan with a 10.8 average finish over that span. So those are two very, very, very safe picks. Like if you're looking for somebody that's going to win the race, there's a reason they're favored. I mean, that is as sure a bet as you're going to get. Uh, But when it comes to crafting your DFS lineup, my overall philosophy is just that obviously the place differential points are extremely important. I think that in your lineup, you want to headline it with one driver, not two, but one driver that's going to start up front, is going to lead laps, is going to win stages, and has a good chance at winning the race. And so I would like to, if you're making a lineup, have one of these guys in your lineup and then the rest kind of fill it out. Uh, And that's kind of been the story with a lot of successful lineups, you know, throughout the middle portion of this year, especially uh, lineups headlined by Kyle Larson. But yeah, I definitely think you're going to want one of those guys in your lineup. And then the rest is just going to depend on on who else you like. And when it comes to crafting the rest of that lineup, we're going to tell you ours now. But first, uh, potential value picks, because that's that's something you're obviously going to need in your lineup. So there are quite a few guys that I, I think could come from behind and, and potentially win here based on what we've seen with the numbers, Cole. Absolutely. And first off, we have Kurt Busch starting sixth, valued at 8,500. Great stats in Michigan in his, in his uh, long career. Three wins is tied for second most with Joey Logano and Kyle Larson. And then we have Austin Dillon. He comes into this race starting 26th, valued at $8,000. He won at Michigan in the Xfinity Series in 2018, but the biggest thing for me is that he's a playoff contender. He is sitting 17th in the standings right now, uh, just shy of making the postseason with two races remaining. I think he's going to do all he needs to do to win at this race or at least maximize his points. And, uh, you know, we've seen him run well at tracks like Michigan. He got the win at Texas last year, so I think that this could be a big day for Austin Dillon. And starting in 26th, got to imagine that his his place differential is going to be astronomical for this race, so... Uh, moving on to his teammate, Tyler Reddick, another guy who we name for our DFS lineup pretty much every single week. He's starting 14th, valued at 7400 so I think he's going to be a really good pick for you, um, just in terms of starting position and, and all that st- good stuff. Um, he won in the Xfinity Series here in 2019, and again, he's clinging on to that final playoff spot uh, in 16th, so... I really do believe this could be a good day for him. He also ran the Xfinity race uh, today, Saturday. Um, so I, I think that's going to play all into him having a really good run. And then finally, we've got Bubba Wallace, which could be a stretch here just because he's starting 15th, valued at 6400 So really, really good price. Um, the only thing for me is that I, I can't see him finishing maybe higher than where he's starting, 15th or around uh, borderline top 10. But he ran the Xfinity race today. Um, maybe that can factor into him having a better run, but basically the, the logic behind this one is the price, uh, 6,400 and that he, he ran the race, uh, for Xfinity today. And then rounding out our potential value picks is going to be Christopher Bell, who doesn't have the best stats at Michigan, but rolling off 28th value at 8,100. I think that's a, a really good safe bet only because starting 28th, he's going to finish around the top 10. And so without further ado, here is our DFS lineup recommendation, and it's got a lot of familiar names compared to what we just mentioned. And I got to say, I feel pretty confident in this lineup. Obviously, the last few weeks, 
uh, or at least last week at the Indy Road Course. It was kind of difficult with just a, a configuration that we had not been to before, and our lineups did not exactly go as planned, but I'm sure that a lot of lineups didn't go as planned with as many drivers that, that ran into trouble with the uh, curb coming up off the track, but uh, this is a track we've been to before many, many times, and we've been to a ton of intermediate tracks and super speedways this year as well, so and just looking at the momentum that some of these drivers have, I feel pretty good about it, so I mentioned uh, I think it's it's important to lead off your lineup with one driver that's starting on one of the front rows that you think is going to lead a ton of laps, uh, win stages, win the race potentially, and obviously that's going to be Kyle Larson, and he's valued at a lot this week, 11500 That's a, a steep price for your lineup, but I think if there's one thing we've learned through however many races it's been this year, 24 races, whatever it is, it's that that is money well spent in your DFS lineup. So if you're ever picking Kyle Larson, unless there's some kind of unforeseen circumstance, a wreck or something like that, it's money well spent. So put Kyle Larson if in your lineup. And if you didn't want Larson for whatever random reason that would be, or if you wanted to upgrade a certain other area of the lineup, Chase Elliott is, is not a bad alternative. And then I love those RCR cars in our lineup. We've got both Austin Dillon at 8,000 and Tyler Reddick at 7,400. For all the reasons that you just named, I'm not going to go too deep into it. They both start a little bit deeper in the pack. Both have success at these types of tracks. Both have been two of the most well-performing cars out of the playoff bubble drivers. They need good performances. We saw how hard they were working to one-up each other last week at uh, the road course, as well as Watkins Glen the week before that. So it's kind of like an iron sharpens iron situation. I want both those guys in my lineup uh, this week, next week, last week, and, and you name it. So other than that, though, Cole, we've got three more drivers in the lineup. Right, and we got another pair of teammates here, and that is the CGR stable with uh, being led by Kurt Busch at 8,500. We mentioned the great stats starting sixth. Um, just from a historical aspect, how he's performed throughout his career at Michigan, I think this is going to be a good pick for you just because uh, he has three wins here. He's been on a roll lately, and uh, he's another guy that wants to get it going uh, with an uncertain future going into the playoffs. And real quick, just to interject, I mean, look at the last time we were at Oval Tracks. He won at Atlanta and performed really well. He was one of the hottest drivers at our last kind of string of traditional uh, Oval Intermediate Tracks, and, and he starts six. So there's reason to believe he could relapse and potentially win this race. I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but like, just think about when we were at Atlanta, a very similar track to Michigan. Absolutely. That's a great point to make, Stephen. And then, yeah, we mentioned uh, Ross Chastain, valued at 7700 starting 22nd, so I think he's going to be good for at least a, a top 10 around there. Going to be really good in terms of making up place differential. And another guy who's on the outside looking into the playoffs, he's a long ways back, so he'll, he may he will need the win to advance in. But uh, as mentioned, his crew chief is very, very competitive, one of the brightest minds top the pit boxes. And uh, I think they will be swinging for the fences this weekend at Michigan. Finally, rounding out our lineup is going to be Chase Briscoe, valued at 6,700, starting 21st right ahead of Ross Chastain. Um, just based off last week and how he ran at Indy, you got to imagine the confidence is riding sky high for him, and he wants to perform well. I just think that coming out of a weekend like that, it's going to only do good things for a young driver like Chase Briscoe. And starting 21st, why not? And we did also see, or I guess we talked about earlier when we were on the subject of Kevin Harvick, Stuart Haas Racing has made major strides throughout uh, this entire year. I would say that out of the six drivers, he's the least expensive in our lineup, and he's the one I'm least confident in, and there's reason for that. But overall, I mean, it's just a guy that's starting 21st, like you said, probably going to finish uh, above that position, barring any issues, but he, he's just, you know, momentum. Momentum is so, so big in this sport, and 
I think that that's the main reason he's in the lineup. And then the fact, of course, that Stuart Haas Racing has steadily improved all year certainly doesn't hurt in that aspect. So to recap, that is our DFS lineup recommendation this week. Kyle Larson, 11,500. Kurt Busch, 8,500. Austin Dillon, 8,000. Ross Chastain, 7,700. Tyler Reddick, 7,400. And Chase Briscoe, 6,700. So take it to the bank, as well as our race picks. And we kind of, uh, in in going pretty in-depth about it in the last few minutes, we've kind of gone into who we think uh, has a good shot at winning this race. But... uh, I went first a week ago, picked Chase Elliott and Chase Briscoe. They both had pretty solid runs, I think you could say. And uh, so without further ado, Cole, that means you go first this week. All right. I'm going to make this really short only because it's a really really easy pick for me. Rolling off P1, I think Kyle Larson uh, puts on an onslaught at Michigan. I think he leads most laps. I think he sweeps both stages, and I think he wins the race. And then for my sleeper, I'm going to go with uh, one of the RCR guys in Austin Dillon. I think that he rises to the occasion. I think he bests his teammate Tyler Reddick uh, in stage points and points earned throughout the day, but I do think it's not going to be enough for him to make it into the top 16 by the end of the day at Michigan. Absolutely. I would have probably had to call you out if you didn't pick those two guys, because those are two easy picks. I mean, Kyle Larson at three to one odds, that really just shows you how much of a favorite he is this week. So I would be really surprised if what you said is going to happen doesn't happen. So uh, for my picks, I definitely, I have a gut feeling that there's going to be a Chevy in victory lane this week, just because at all these intermediate tracks, we've seen the drivers from the Hendrick stable really separate themselves. We've, that's where we've seen William Byron get a win. Alex Bowman's got a win here. Everybody kind of has a win here, uh, except for Chase Elliott at these tracks. Uh, and I don't want to pick Chase two weeks in a row, even though I think he's going to have a really strong day. Uh, so I, I think I'm going to go outside of the box of, out, of, out of what my gut feeling is, and I'm going to go with the numbers and pick Kevin Harvick to win this race. Like you said, he's got wins in four of the last five Michigan races. I, I think it's just, it's not a bad pick. He's got such great history here. I just, overall, I have really good confidence in the fact that it's going to be uh, a Chevy in victory lane. And so my sleeper is going to be a fringe sleeper. I don't know if you could really call him a sleeper because he's got three wins this year, but He's just so inconsistent, and I think Alex Bowman is going to be my sleeper this week. And I don't know, you can give me crap if you want if that's not a sleeper, but you know, I just think I have a really good gut feeling about the Hendrick cars, about Chevrolet, and it's not really a gut feeling. I mean, the numbers support it as well, but I just think that at these tracks where where you're going to see a lot of comers and goers and maybe some crazy late race restarts, he's a very opportunistic guy, and I could see... Alex Bowman punching win number four, uh, but obviously that's he's not favored to win, so I'm going to call him a sleeper in addition to my pick of, of Kevin Harvick. In any event, that's going to do it on the most important stop of the day, the money stop. Thank you all so much once again for tuning in. Alongside Cole, I'm Steven. We will see you next week. Please do follow us on social media at the underscore money stop, and you'll make sure you want to tune in to this weekend's race on Sunday. The Firekeepers Casino 400 will start at 3 o'clock Eastern time on NBCSN. So with that, take it to the bank. Thank you all so much once again, and we will see you next time.